You're listening to the Just Giants podcast with Crump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and SoundCloud today. From the Falcons, 28 on first down. Manny with time. He throws wide open. It's Kevin Boss. And Boss takes it into the end zone. Welcome to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the Football Grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. What's up, Mike? I really appreciate it, Grump, that uh, in the 2-11 and season, you really show that enthusiasm for that intro. So <laughs> we, we should probably do a montage of everyone from, um, you know. Oh, yeah. A looking from, back from, at the 2017 From Labor Day season. up until now and see how the ebb and flow of the uh, – the pitch goes, but uh, nice job. Nice job uh, <laughs> keeping us all excited for another half hour of exciting New York Giants football talk. <laughs> this episode brought to you by alcohol. Alcohol <laughs> for the best of times. Hennigans. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the Giants fell to the Dallas Cowboys 30-10 to 10 at home on Sunday. Um, you know, we had previewed this game. Uh, you had predicted a blowout and I predicted a win actually, but in a slug vest. Um, and we were kind of technically both right. Well, I mean, I wasn't right for sure. Cause we didn't <laughs> win. What, uh, what definition of the word win? Yeah. Okay. Happen? Okay. No, but uh, you know, for, for three quarters there, the Cowboys hadn't led since the opening drive, you know, and to be very honest, all of their scoring was on just big chunk plays. It wasn't like they were dominating the line of scrimmage. It wasn't like they were dominating really anything. It was just, you know, Cole Beasley gets loose or, you know, uh, you know, Bryant just kind of, you know, out muscles for, you know, a, a backup. Uh, yeah. You know. A practice squad level cornerback and then exactly. takes it 50 so, yards to the house. Yeah. I wouldn't call that a blowout by any stretch. I mean, no. the final score was and the stats you know, certainly show it, but it was not turnovers and 14 points after we already exited the building. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say about, 35 to 40 percent of the fan base there might have been Cowboys fans is that eh, a little high I was su- honestly surprised how many giant fans there were I mean they're always out the numbers might have been there for Cowboys fans they weren't as obnoxious as they normally well that's are. what I'm gonna say you know I think they came in there thinking they were gonna be like every other team to just steamroll the Giants and they didn't even start chirping until Dallas we left yeah yeah <laughs> it was, I mean the game was over I mean this was not a game where they felt at all comfortable cheering. <laughs> no, no. I mean, not like either side was really into it. I think Cowboys fans are pretty aware. I mean, for the most part, that they're just and, about out of the hunt. Um, and let's be honest, too. This was not a normal giant uh, Cowboy crowd at Giant Stadium. This no. was a 1 o'clock game where, you know, almost always this game is at least a 4.30 game and usually a Sunday night or a Monday night game where a lot of the Fan base sells their season tickets, so they flood the market with tickets. So, you know, the biggest Guido Giant uh, Cowboy fan shows up from Long Island or Jersey. This, well, you know, let's profile it. Game. Let's profile it. So, on, on a typical Giants Cowboys matchup where both teams are competitive, yes, um, you know, I would say Cowboys fans tend to show up in groups, usually groups of guys with you know like one or two girls in there. But they come together as Cowboys fans. What this game felt like is, and we were saying this while we were there, it felt like people were showing up as couples. I mean, whether it was guy, girl, or just, you know, friends. One was a Giants fan, one was a Cowboys fan. This was different. The the 1 o'clock start changes everything with Giant crowds because usually the season ticket base does not sell their 1 o'clock games. You know, they they loathe the Monday night game. They 
deal with the Sunday night game if they have to. And getting to this point in the season, the 430 game is a little eh yeah. if they're out of it. Um, one o'clock game, that's the game they're going to want to go to. And so, like I said, the market wasn't dumped with tickets, so you don't get seven or eight meatheads showing up from wherever who've been drinking all day. So this might be something where, you know, you have that girlfriend who's the cowboy fan and it's like, you know, all right, this will be our date night or something. We'll go to the game at one o'clock. I'm not going to be with my bros. Yeah. So we, we, we did see a lot of, um, you know. Well, I mean, of, I, I think it lends uh, itself inner, to not. Mixed, mixed cut. A lot of mixed um, couples, you know, giant guy and cowboy girl. You see that more, I think, in the opposite way. Yeah, or or just you know, guy friends, one one, you know. Right. Yeah. Um, I I think that also lends itself to the lack of chirping. It's kind of yeah, because well, it was also, a pretty silent crowd. I mean, less drinking at one o'clock. And I think again, that's true. The job, the the giant fan has nothing to chirp about. This cowboy team is you know. It's going to be a struggle to get in the playoffs. I mean, you know, Elliot comes back. That's going to help them. But this is not a very good team. <laughs> I mean, this is a this is a team for three quarters struggled against one of the worst teams in the league. Yeah, I mean, should this game like we have really even doing been anything. this close? Yeah. Well, you know, it's the same story I've been saying about the Cowboys ever since really Parcells left. You have a Ferrari when you have, you know, big game roster, spend a lot of money. And you have that Indy 500 car. Why do you have a taxi driver driving it? You know, they get these crappy coaches, you know, that uh, you know, Jerry Jones has this thing where he has to be the man. And he has to prove that as GM, he can, you know, be the guy who brought this team to the uh, the playoffs, especially since Jimmy Johnson's been gone. And this is what you see, you know, crappy coaching holds back football team. Yeah, by all means, this game should have been should have been a disaster for the Giants and it really really wasn't until um Landon Collins got hurt. So there was a big play late in the fourth quarter. I wouldn't even say late. It was probably like the middle or early part uh, eight, of the fourth eight quarter. And a half, seven. I think we bolted out of there with uh four minutes left, but he was gone before that. So like yeah. probably six minutes left. Yeah. Yeah, so it was a big play where Landon Collins over pursued and then when he came back to make the tackle, he hurt his ankle and was out for the remainder of the game, I believe. And uh, I mean, the very next play, they went right to Jason Witten down the seam, and yeah, it's, it's right our, where Landon Collins would have been, you know. And it's our death knell play anyway. I mean, oh, we yeah. haven't we haven't defended a tight end starter or backup this entire season in the last couple of years. So, well, you know, with the exception went. being Travis Kelsey for some weird reason. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, as a rule, tight ends destroy us. Yeah, yeah, um, and I guess that's sort of begs the question um you know we we had talked about what kind of head coach the Giants should bring in whether it's an offensive minded guy or a defensive minded guy and we both sort of lean towards offensive minded um you know whether or not that's the case does Steve Spagnuolo have a spot on this team next year if he's not the head coach I think it depends on what the new GM comes in and how much he wants to clean house and start over. I think if the core of this defense comes back, he might stay, Spags. If they decide they're going to cut bait and just kind of do some salary dumping, you know, if guys like Janoris Jenkins aren't back, guys like even even a Vernon isn't back, 
you might see Spaggs go somewhere else. They may say, you know, in the very beginning, we're going to go in a different direction and he might be gone. So I, I think it really, it's up to the GM, you know, who we bring in here, what he's looking for and what he wants to do. Well, let me ask you this, because this is sort of an interesting perspective. Um, does this team remain a 4-3 defense? Who knows? I mean, <laughs> there, there's some interesting pieces to look at there. I mean, on the one hand, changing from a 4-3 to a 3-4 is – that's a big change. And quite that's, frankly, that's this a, team does not have the linebackers to be a 3-4 defense right now. That's true. But, you know, I, I, I'll give an example. You know, the one I always give is my Florida Gators where we just hired a new head coach. We brought in a defensive coordinator who's going from a 4-3 to a 3-4. And I know in 2017 and 2018 we do not have the linebacker depth to do that. I know that – a couple linebackers we have, I think, might be better in a three-four, but it's going to be a very difficult year next year. Having said that, you start recruiting for it. So, of course, yeah. looking at the roster in November or you know, December 2017, I think has a minimal impact on what the long-range blueprint is going to be going forward. And I guess that decision really is made by the head coach not the gm of this is the philosophy we're going to run i mean so I, I think it's sort of hand in hand the GM's going to pick the coach for him he's going to know that going into it it's true well well so here's the so interesting mean, thing but, though but let's throw a caveat to that let's say it's okay. an offensive minded coach like josh mcdaniels uh mm-hmm. who's no they're hiring that guy to be an offensive mind or something and defense might be something where you know I'm going to hire a good defensive coordinator and he's going to, you know, come in with his scheme. So now you're kind of going two levels down from the hire of the GM to what they're going to run. So I, I think it's, that's, you know, and also remember too, coaches also want to fit in with the personnel they're inheriting. So some guy may want to become, you know, the defensive coordinator of the New York giants. He's going to look at the roster and say, is this, you know, if I have my option between this job or another job, what's interests me, you know, is there a talent, be talent that fits into what I want to do? So I think there's a lot of moving parts between now and, you know, January, February of where that's going to go. Yeah, I think the interesting thing about it is that you have room to pivot here. So if you look at it like, you know, Damon Harrison, he's a nose tackle. He could easily play in a 3-4 sure. defense. Oh, um, it looks like an, He looks to me like a natural nose guard, like yeah. a, a guy in a 3-4. Just a zero technique, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that – could totally be. I mean, I think he benefits. I think the run defense in general benefits from having him and another guy clog that middle and really, really force, you know. And we may have that guy right now on the roster, you know, after his rookie year, you know. Who, Dalvin Tomlinson? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, He played a lot more than I expected. Um, Yeah. And, and played quite well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You never really heard us calling him out as like failing to make a tackle or just getting blown out of plays or anything like that. The other thing that's interesting is that, you know, if Olivier Vernon is retained, I mean, he's a guy who plays pretty well from the stand-up position. Devon Kennard also plays pretty well from the stand-up position right down at the line. Um, you know, it may be that the head coach comes in and, you know, is like, well, we're a 4-3 team. And then, you know, you take a couple off-seasons, get a piece here and there, stand-up linebacker, you know, uh, another stand-up defensive end or something like that. You know, you just sort of... Slowly build, and then you know next year, next off season, not the coming one, make a switch from the four three to three four. It's certainly possible that this team could not be a four three defense for the first time since nineteen nineties. 
<laughs> I don't know. Is Bill Belichick the last defensive coordinator to run a 3-4 in this team? Probably. I'd have to go back and, and research it, but yeah, could very well be. It's just uh, sort of interesting. Uh, you know, it would be str- – I don't know. I feel like Steve Spagnuolo's future is complete darkness right now. It could, it could, he could, on one hand, on a very, very, very rare chance, become the head coach of this team, or way more likely, he may not even be on this team next year, which is such a strange spectrum to be on. I would not be surprised if he's the head coach. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would certainly not shock me. Really? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again. This, you know, the ownership likes, knows what they know and likes what they like. And, you know, they brought him back. They have a lot of trust and confidence in the guy. Um, you know, if 2008 was 2016, he would have replaced Tom Coughlin and been the head coach. Oh, yeah. Oh, 2008 was 2016. Yeah, I mean, if if, yeah. if if the if the situation where the head coaching job was available, I mean, I think you know, the thing was back in two thousand eight, we didn't know how long Coughlin would be around. He just came off a Super Bowl, you know, he wasn't he was old, but he wasn't like you know. Well, I'll do you one even better. If if two thousand fifteen was two thousand sixteen, he'd be the head coach. If last year's oh, yeah. defense was the defense the year prior, do you think he gets the nod over Ben McAdoo? Um, possibly. I mean, you know, now we're hearing the little stories about how McAdoo never thought that Eli was the guy for his offense, but it kind of seemed, you know, the way their PR and, you know, their moles are kind of putting things out there was Eli wanted to keep it and they want to keep the continuality on the offensive side. But you're right. If we would have had like a, you know, the 30th best offense in the league and the defense was, you know, the 2016 model. Could have been. Yeah. I mean, I certainly certainly think so. It's strange. Is I, I feel like last week you said there was a 0% chance of Spags being the head coach. Now you don't think so, but you wouldn't be surprised, right? Yeah, now I, I've kind of upped it to about 10 15%. And I, last week my thought process was they just want to completely clean house and start fresh. Now, you know, I don't know. I – just something in my gut tells me that these are the mares and these are, you know, the tishes and they do value, you know, they don't want to rock the boat too, too, too much. They like to keep someone around. Um, you know, everybody seems to like Spags. You know, the defense seems to like him. I and mean, this year is a train wreck, but again, a lot of that's because there's so many guys out I and mean, it's a mash unit out there right now, you know, and there's obviously there's some issues in that secondary and that could be very easily addressed with, you know, a new defensive coordinator and a new secondaries coach, you know, if Spags becomes the head coach. Let's talk uh, about the secondary for a minute. Um, what do you think Eli Apple's future is with this team? Do you think there's a chance that he's not on the team while still being on a rookie contract? I think it's very possible. I think it's 50-50. So for anyone who might have missed the story, I doubt any of you have because, you know, at this point, Eli Apple is under a microscope. But um, there was a lot of criticism that, he was he was not active for this game, partly because I don't think he started to practice at all until too late in the week, and Spags didn't want him to go. Um, he's dealing with a back and also hamstring issue for the last two weeks or something like that. Um, 
But during the game, he tweeted out something, you know, I guess not not cheering for the Cowboys, but, you know, cheering for his fellow college teammate from Ohio State, uh, Rod Smith, I think, right, who scored an mm-hmm. 81-yard touchdown against us. Um, right. And he came under fire for it. And, all right, let's, right, let's, so. let's, let's take that at face value, just that, keep it in a vacuum. Do you have a problem with that? I have a, I have a very major problem with that. Okay. I have a problem. I'm kind of the old school guy where, you know, you watch an NBA game, you watch, you know, a football game. I do not like these guys, you know, with the handshakes and the hugs before a game. I don't like it even after a game. You know, I get it. These guys are all boys now and they're all, you know, they've all played AAU together and they played all the camps together growing up in high school and college and all these different things. So there is, you know, more of a friendship fraternity than there was 10, 15 years ago. But that to me, you know, high school teammates, college teammates aside, when the game is going on, they're your opponent. They're your enemy for 60 minutes. And I would not take that lightly at all if I was a member of that locker room. And for a guy, quite frankly, that is on his ninth life with this team, you know, it's one of those things where, Individually, you're not going to cut somebody or fire them because of, but you start, these things are adding up really quickly with him. And quite frankly, (laughs) he is not an all pro where you, like an Odell Beckham, where you can overlook a lot of the shenanigans. He's regressed this year. So, you know, again, let's see what happens with free agency and and, in the draft and, you know, blah, 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 what type of defense we're going to run all this, that, and the other, but I think right now it's 50-50. He's back next year. Well, I, you know, he's regressed a little bit on the field, but he's definitely regressed in terms of maturity. So when back he... the womb right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. And and that's actually a hilarious term that you use there. Because I kind of think he's a mama's boy. I just well, do. We were, yeah. Um, well, okay, so... And, and that, that's not a shot at him... You know, being by his mother's side while she goes undergoes surgery. I I mean that since draft day, uh, since yeah. since I found out about any Apple. So, um, whatever. But the interesting thing about this is that, uh, so I, I guess me personally, I don't really care so much about that. And and it's you, you use Odell Beckham as as a um as an example, and I I I get it. Like, you know. This to me is worse than Odell Beckham. I no, mean, it's, Beckham it's is- okay. Here, here's why it's worse. If you're in a game and you know, if 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 your game is one o'clock, you're done with your game. It's four thirty, and you're watching, you know, the completely the afternoon different. game, and completely you see, you, yeah, exactly, it, completely different. You call it your LSU boy, awesome. That's cool. You guys are friends. I get it. You just watched your friend do something great. You are in no way involved. Um, you know, when you're competing, you're competing. I want to know that your teammate, if you, if Eli or Apple were out there as a cornerback up against him as a wide receiver, that he's not congratulating him after he gets burned and that he's kicking himself for getting burned. That's what I well, want to know. I want to know from the very first day of OTAs in, you know, May or June through the final whistle of the final play of the final game of the year, whether that's week 17 playoff Super Bowl, that that guy to the left and to the right of me are committed 1,000% to this team. Period. Yeah. And when you see something like that, 
I don't know anymore. Are you just in this league just because you like the money and you like getting all the girls and all the stuff that goes with it? Or are you there because all you care about is winning? And I go back to the, the you know, the, the maniacs that have played, the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryants, you know, the guys that would run through a brick wall to compete. You know, they want to be the best, but they're competing for everything. They're, they're, they're betting you and challenging you for every drill, for everything. Never in their right mind would Michael Jordan, you know, send out a tweet to James Worthy saying, good job, if they're playing each other. It, it, it doesn't happen. So I, I think this is something where, you know, I, I mean, I'm not in this locker room. I don't know, but this team needs leaders badly to address to self-police this team. Who are they? I mean, here's why it's even worse um, to me from the way I view it. Even than the example we used where I want to know that Eli Apple is out there as a cornerback and the wide receiver, no matter what fucking school he was on and what, whether or not they were teammates. It's regardless of what school or even just friends or well, whatever. Well, here's, here's the thing. The fact is you're sitting at home not in this game partially because of maturity issues. I don't care what injury issues partially due to maturity injury issues. He's not out on the field. And, you know, you could be tweeting out that, you know, Rhett Ellison made a touchdown catch. Evan Ingram wide open for a big gain. No. You wait for your boy on the other team. And like Isn't there a policy of no social media during NFL games? Yes, actually, and he will get in trouble for it. Yes. Yeah. So forget thing. even not even knowing the rules and, and he's not just a wide eyed rookie. You know, this is I, his, I think he's still wide eyed. Yeah, but I mean my point is he's not just somebody who's you know, his first time, you know, running through the league and running through a season, so he's learning this stuff. I mean I, I mean, I think he is. I know he's. It's he shouldn't be, and it's not his first year. But it just seems like that. Like everything that he's dealt with this year seems like it was the first time he's ever been criticized. You know, he almost walked out multiple times during a meeting where they were being brutally honest with all of each other. Landon Collins was called out multiple times. He never threatened to get up and leave. Well, this goes back to my point. Who are the leaders on this team? I mean, yes, there are some veterans. But how many of these guys have been with the team long enough that they can actually, you know, you can't become a leader, you know, in six months. You know, it's something where you have to kind of be, you know, the old guard in the locker room. You know, Eli Manning is a leader by example. You know, I I think he's kind of like a Derek Jeter type of leader where he's not going to be a rah-rah guy and, you know, he's going to have the the corner locker and he's going to be just by the respect he gets. but. Who is, who's the leader on this defense? Would you consider JPP a leader? No, I think I think Damon Harrison is probably closer. But again, he's he's again, another quiet. And a half he's been here. Yeah, and yeah. also he's. Well, I I disagree. I don't I don't think that the amount of time that you're there um, determines whether or not you can be a leader. Uh, what I think determines whether or not you can be a leader is just mindset. It's who you are. It's built in you. Yeah. Or maybe you yeah. learn it along the way. But you know, you see guys like Jameis Winston who by all accounts came right in as a rookie who had so many questions about whether or not he could perform at the right level and where he was as a human being. And, you know, that's still up for debate, whatever, but he came right in, took control of the locker room and led a team. He's well, the, the leader biggest, on that the, offense. And there's no the question about positive it. you hear about Jameis and he's got a million negatives and I didn't want to spend the rest of the night talking about him. 
is that everybody to a man who's ever been a teammate of him has said, this guy's a leader. He leads. Yeah. He leads and that, example, and... he leads by words. He leads by actions. And you have, you have a presence. Um, you know, let me ask you something. Is Odell Beckham a leader on this team? Do you think no. in the locker no. room and among his peers and everything, you think he's a leader or you think he's just kind of a guy that just, you know, not even so much a me guy, but just someone that doesn't you know, have that mantle. No, I, I don't think he's a leader, but I don't think that's also – I don't think that's a shot against him either I, because no, – no, no, no. Um, Because I think he's, he's a huge competitor and he has a huge passion and he wants to be the best he can be and that's fine. But no, I don't think he's a leader because first of all, because he himself needs to be calmed down pretty right, often. Okay. So let me let – me, let me, here's where I'm going with this. Tom Brady a leader? I think you know where I'm going with I this. I mean, yeah, I think so. But I don't watch enough of the Patriots. But from what I gather, from when I do watch him, it seems like he's kind of getting guys going, getting them to move. I, I think he's not the same kind of leader that Jameis Winston is. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I, I would probably say Tom Brady, yeah, he's probably a leader. But he's he's also a guy that gets out of control from time to time. You know, we've seen yeah, you know, yeah. the, the, the tirades on the on the on the bench, and it's not the it's not exactly the same as Odell Beckham. But there are times when he's screaming at his offensive coordinator. Yeah, no, I, and, I'm you with know, you. I, I'm with you there. But I think over the course of what it's been 15 years that Tom Brady has been the starting quarterback for the team. There's they've been just as many tirades as Odell has in the last three years. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I, I think you can make that. I, I don't know. I don't know that that – I think the no, thing point. is here, – here's, here's my point. Yes, they both have their own tirades on the sideline. Here's the difference. Tom Brady will calm down himself. I think Odell Beckham needs to be calmed down, at least now. I mean, you know, they're also different ages. They're different people. And Tom, and Tom Brady's almost twice his age too, yeah. you know, yeah. and been in the league almost as long as he's been alive. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, but this goes back to my bigger point is that there's no visible signs or obvious signs that this team has leaders, especially on the defensive side. Yeah. So, you know, if, um, you know, if, if Eli Apple was on the Patriots, for example, or on the Steelers or one of these teams that has veteran leadership, who's, they've been with the team for a while, they're established players in the league, they have respect from, you know, their peers, whether they're on the team or not. That might be something where an Eli Apple can benefit from, where I don't know who is leading guys like him, especially in his position group. You know, Janoris Jenkins sure isn't that guy. You know, and even DRC has shown he's had some issues with uh, with the team. So, And yet at the same time, I think DRC has stepped up since his issues with the team. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think he's closer to being a leader than anybody else except for maybe Landon Collins. Yeah, I don't think don't Collins know. is there yet, but I think I could see him being the guy on defense. Listen, and, we don't know what's going on in that locker room with this team because, you know, the the stink of losing and the losing culture that started from, you know, basically the uh, the loss in the playoffs last year. You know, who, who knows how much of that was due to McAdoo's lack of, of a bedside presence at worst to just being a bad coach and a bad guy. Yeah. So – very true. At some point, these veterans are like, you know, something, you know, fuck this guy. <laughs> I'm just as old as he is, and he's just is proving to be a buffoon. 
Well, do you think so. there's a leader on offense besides Eli Manning? Maybe the two offensive linemen who may be gone after this year. Yeah, you think Pew and Richburg? Yeah. Yeah, I would say Pew is. I would say Pew is definitely the leader of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, the receivers, no. I mean, it's a very young group. Uh, backs, you know, tight ends, complete, nothing. We've had a, com- we've had a complete turn- uh, turnover in tight ends. You know, fullback, no. Running back, no. I would say it's those two guys. And probably Pew is probably the one. Um, so if you decide not to resign him for free agency or you lose him in free agency, you're losing that layer. Yeah. And I, you know, at the beginning of the season or even a couple weeks ago, I would have told you there's no way they're letting Justin Pugh go now. Not that I'm endorsing it or anything, but you know, when you have a new head coach, new GM coming in, it's all up for grabs. And a guy who's had trouble staying healthy throughout his career, you know, very well, maybe gone. I, I think it might be a mistake to let him go. Um, well, I don't. I don't think they'll let him go out of their own doing. I think it's one of those things where, if let's say, you know, Team X just goes insane in a bid, it's like we're not matching that. That's where I could see it happening. But I don't yeah. think it's gonna be a question like we're just out on them. I well, see, see, I think usually, usually that sort of thing is. Um, I mean, I've always assumed this. I have no proof of this, but I've always assumed that things like that were prevented by. You know, during the season, having minor contract talks, you know, not a whole lot of anything, but just like just that sentiment that we really want you back. We really like what you're doing here and just getting those that that positive feeling going forward. I I would agree with you. Except the fact that the guy saying we would like to have you back is no longer on the team. That's yeah, that's that's uh, (laughs) what I was going to say. There is no longer the benefit of being able to do that because. Who nobody has the authority to make that call. I mean, I guess technically speaking, Kevin Abrams does, but does he? As the interim GM, is he allowed I think, to? I think his job right now is to keep your finger in the dike so the water doesn't flow overflow until the next season starts. Yeah, this team is a mess. Uh, it's going to be a really, really interesting offseason. It's actually probably going to be for most of people who have other sports to watch, notably baseball. You know, it's going to be a back page sort of story for everybody because there's not a whole lot of excitement, you know, building into next year. And there's going to be a lot of moves with a lot of uncertainty, but there's going to be a shitload for you and me to cover. We're going to be busy. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> um, I guess the only other thing I really want to talk about just briefly because it's not Giants news, but it is Giants related. Carson Wentz, while running for a touchdown, tore his ACL on his left knee. Um. He's out for the remainder of the season, and you know, quite frankly, I don't want to dash anybody's hopes, but he may not start next year. I mean, we've seen some guys come back from bad knee injuries in a very short time that we forget that that's sort of not normal. I mean, you know, what Adrian Peterson was able to do a couple of years ago is right. not is not normal. For, for every one of him, there's a Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. Oh well, if- that's a little different. Teddy Bridgewater very nearly lost his leg. Yeah. So okay. I mean, well, even a guy like a Derek Carr who comes back, who people everybody says has been playing tentatively since he got back. Sure. And you know, it impacts you as an organization. You know, I I, I tweeted this out, and I I think it was pretty obvious, but you know, 
if it was a partial tear, which is what they thought might be the case since he played for three plays after he tore it and was very clearly wobbly, um, if it was a partial tear, there was a chance that he could avoid surgery and play with a brace. And I cautioned hopeful Philly fans, I don't know that any listen to me, but not <laughs> to get excited if that's the case because we've all seen what happened to RG3 when he went into the playoffs and Mike Shanahan came under very heavy criticism for having him play. And, you know, you know, his whole career could have a different story potentially if that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with a franchise guy that Carson Wentz has shown himself to be, you know, in his growth over the, since draft day, you don't take any risks. So if that means next year, he doesn't start till week six, that may just be the case. A you know, smart organization will not take any huge chances with a guy like that. I don't know. Um, I, to me, it couldn't happen to a worse, uh, to a better fan base <laughs> well, <laughs> because yeah, we, but... we actually were, we were in Newark on Saturday talking to some typical, you know, cheesesteak. And he was just saying how Wentz is already this generational quarterback and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, can he win one playoff game before? So I hate to feel like I mushed him a little bit, but uh, you know it sucks. You know you don't want to see guys get hurt. You don't want to see guys get hurt. You know this point of the season where you know after three months you see a a success story and you know it blows. Some of these guys are never the same after these big injuries, and you don't want to see him just uh, you know turning into a Victor Cruz or something. Yeah, injuries he was never the same after, and you know. Victor Cruz was at the Chase Bank today signing autographs as opposed to <laughs> you know, preparing for a you know a playoff run. So it's sad. What else is sad is that we're talking about this at week 14. But there's only three weeks left. <laughs> We've got uh, Philly coming up on Sunday at home. We'll get you a whole review for that that you can listen to on Friday uh, via SoundCloud or iTunes. Be sure to download, subscribe. Just go to SoundCloud.com, search Just Giants. You'll find us there. Click any episode you want. Listen, but you know the more recent ones are better because you know that's how it works. <laughs> iTunes, download us there. I mean, it's really easy. Just go to the store, search podcast Just Giants. Super easy. Give us a good rating. Tell your friends. You know any Giants fans, um, and follow us on Twitter. Uh, we have a lot more to say there. We have free reign to interact with you guys. Um, I'm at football underscore grump and the podcast. All the links for every episode is at just giants pod. I will tell you something that is playoff ready. The grumps ability to segue from meaningless bullshit into our outro. That was, that was a fantastic job. Yeah. Thanks. I might sign you to a long-term contract. Oh, wow. That's nice. Good work. Is there money involved in that contract? Of course. Well, as soon as we get a sponsor, Being sponsored by alcohol doesn't do us a whole lot of good. Although, we did have a de facto sponsor this past Sunday. Holy shit, that, right? <laughs> that lit cowboy fan at the Jameson bar who was buying shots. Oh, I don't know okay, what yeah. your name was, and God forbid he actually calls me again. But, hey, man, thanks. Thanks. By the way, you know, we go on road trips. If any Giants fans are, are from outside of the area and can only go to road games or if you, you feel adventurous and want to go to road games – not being a dick goes a long way. I mean, this guy came right up to yeah. us, put his arms around us, and started asking us about the Jameson bar and how to get closer and what we were expecting in the game. He's just an overall nice guy. A little wasted. Say, but you know. I would say my golden rule is don't be a dick ever. It's just kind of be cool like that guy was. So to you, the nameless cowboy fan from upstate, 
thanks for the shots and maybe one day when you randomly buy shots to a girl they'll actually will accept it <laughs> i hope you got home okay man uh, he might be still wandering around the parking lot as we <laughs> as we tape this on a tuesday night yeah um you can uh you can find me on twitter at the cranky fan um like Crumb said the show is at just giants pod facebook we have a, a page there you can catch when all the shows are going on and uh Subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud and join all the other tens of people who listen to us now. Yeah. And if you know a sponsor, hook us up. <laughs> the Just Giants Army. <laughs> Go Giants. Giants. Giants.